bleed green? Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. This is Bird 365. Hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. Here we go, here we go! Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50-plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack and join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go! Let's go! Go! And a good football summer morning here on Birds 365. You've got Mac and Mac, John McMullen and Jody McDonald. We're here to spend the next two hours with you, the next five days with you. We're going to be here all summer until the Eagles report to training camp. Johnny Mac, how was your Father's Day weekend? Uh, it was it was great. Uh, happy belated uh, Father's Day to you, Jody. Uh, I hope everybody had a good weekend. And yeah, I mean, it's it's heating up for the summer finally. And uh, it's heating down. It's cooling off for the Eagles in the lull. But we're we're here for you. We're here for the hardcore Eagles fans. Which I always forget is the first day of summer, the 20th, the 21st, the 21st, 22nd, I think. Is the 20th. summer solstice? Yes. yes is yes. that what they call it? Yeah. Uh, so uh, technically, we're still in spring. Uh, by by uh, two days. Later yeah. this week. Yeah. But summer does officially kick in. It's been summer for the Eagles for over a week now. Everybody downtime. Not much going on. Uh, so we're we're looking for topics to talk about with you. And I saw one today on of all places, sportsillustrated.com, as written by one Ed Kratz. Good job, Eddie K., uh, our, our buddy and pal, John's uh, compatriot from Sports Illustrated. Uh, he pointed out something that we've talked about plenty over the years. The fact that when the season gets underway for the Philadelphia Eagles, they will be attempting to be the first team to win back-to-back divisions in the NFC East in 20 years. It's now been... 20 years since a team has gone back-to-back champion of the NFC East. And I remember first bringing this up. Eagles won four in a row, as a matter of fact, from 2001 to 2004. And when it got to five straight years of different division titles, I said, that's interesting. When it got to 10 straight years of different divisions, I said, man, why can't a team put together back-to-back years? When it got to 15 years of nobody winning the NFC two straight years, I go, what the hell's going on here? And now we're up to 20. If someone other than the Philadelphia Eagles wins a division issue, it'll be 20 straight years of different divisional winners. You got an explanation for this, McMullen? 
Um, yeah, you haven't had that consistent dominance. If you look back, I think people don't give Andy Reid, I always say, enough credit when he was the head coach of yep. the Eagles because you know they didn't win a Super Bowl, but they were consistently, consistently good. All the playoffs appearances, all the NFC championship appearances. And that was the whole game plan, right? Chetty was it, you know, his whole thought process is if you're good every year, you'll get in the dance. And if the stars align, you'll win one. It's happened for Andy, but unfortunately, it happened in Kansas City a few times now. And who knows with Patrick Mahomes, how many more? Um, but if you, you know, 2003, 2004, um, so I'd have to look it up, but those were like 12, 13 win teams um for the eagles really good teams you know really really good teams i would say if you get up and those were 16 now we're up to 17 regular season games games. yep but you know if you got up to 12 and i always use peyton manning as the example because the consistency in indianapolis was so impressive over a long period of time if you get up to 12 you're a really good team (laughs) if you're above 12 you're, you're, you're a great team, basically. And then you get 10 11s and you're having a good year, blah, blah, blah. And there was a lot of 10 or 11s in there. Uh, I, I, you know, and, and so I'll, I'll pull it up as we're talking. I have no idea. This, this is just, I'm talking, you know, on the face of it. There were a few really good teams, but there wasn't consistency. So, all right, two, 2003 Eagles were 12. Uh, so right in the range, I said 2004 was 13. And that was it. That was the last team that went back to back. Right. And then you had 11, 10. You had the 2007 Cowboys were really good, 13. Giants came back the next year with 12. They were really good. Then you have a bunch of, of nothings, 11, 10, 9, 10, 10, before you get to the 2014 Cowboys, which won 12. And the 2016 Cowboys, which won 13, the 2017 Eagles up to 13. Then he had another lull, 21 Cowboys won 12, and obviously the Eagles last year. So um, that that consistency hasn't been there for these teams, and that's what the Eagles are chasing. Um, And they've been better than anybody else over this span in, in the NFC East as far as uh, winning division titles, um, but you have these little spurts, um, and, and it's been mainly Eagles, Cowboys, Eagles, Cowboys, Eagles, Cowboys, and and the Giants and and command now Commanders have kind of fallen behind for a lot of reasons. Um, Giants probably made a bad decision going way back to Jerry Reese and and Tom Coughlin. And they made a lot of bad co- – and it was bad coaching decision after bad coaching decision after bad coaching decision, bad executive decision with Dave Gettleman. Um, and they finally seem to be back on the right path, and maybe they can get to some of that consistency with Brian Dayball and, and, and Joe Shane and Daniel Snyder. I mean, it's impossible to be consistently good with that ownership. Uh, and, and that's what's happened to, to Washington – so you've had Eagles Cowboys, and the Eagles have been a little bit better than the Cowboys. But you know that was the disappointment of 2017. You know you win, you finally win the Super Bowl, and you know they had the new normal post yeah. up all over the place. 
And it wasn't. It was, you know, they made the playoffs again, and they made the playoffs again, and they were good, but they took that step back. So New England would be the best example. To be consistently good year in and year out in this league, which is, let's be honest, Jody, it is built for parity. They built it this way on purpose. Yep. Um, so when you see the outlier like New England or even Indianapolis and they kind of battled each other, um, and obviously the Patriots on top more often than not, that's the outlier. It's it's really because free agent, look at how much the Eagles lost and you got to rebuild it again. They've done a tremendous job and Howie Roseman gets all this flowers, deservedly so. But look at all the players they lost. Uh, and and that's being the runner up. Yeah. Right. They they didn't win the Super Bowl, but they did win the division. Don't forget that Taylor Heineke won division for the commanders. Yeah. It was, which, it was tells you, which tells you the the twenty twenty uh Washington football team at the time was seven and nine. Seven and nine. Won a division at seven and nine, but it's a division just the same for Taylor Heineke. And the commanders, you're right about that. You want to drop it at somebody towards Daniel Snyder more than anybody else. Uh, but yeah, the Eagles and Eddie's angle on his story was now you've got three underdogs chasing you. They're all underdogs and they understand they get to play the underdog card. The Cowboys who made the playoffs and won a playoff game. That's right. The Cowboys, sorry to say, uh, Cowboy haters. They did win a playoff game before they got picked off by the 49ers. Um uh, they, they're an underdog to the Eagles and the Giants are an underdog to the Eagles and the commanders certainly are an underdog because their one divisional win in umpteen years was a seven and nine season. Good luck there, Sam Howell. And good luck to Ed Kratz, the biggest Sam Howell fan in the Delaware Valley. But I'm giving Ed credit for doing this article about the underdog. How much is that a positive playing the underdog? Cause I remember a year, not all that long ago, 2017, John, when the Eagle players were donning underdog masks everywhere, heading off to a pretty big win at the end of the season that uh, they were underdog against the Falcon and all, under against the Vikings at home, underdog against the Patriots, and they ended up having a parade as an underdog. How much does underdog status explain 20 straight years without a uh, repeat winner in the division? Yeah, I, I don't, you know, I it, probably not today because we're going to have Zach Berman on and his book about the 2017 Super Bowl team is called Underdogs and they embraced it. And so yeah. obviously why? But I maintain and I'll maintain this to the day I die, Jody. They were they were not underdogs. Everybody knew how good they were. They were underdogs literally because the quarterback who was in route to being the MVP tore his ACL late in the season. Like everybody knew that was the best team by that point, not at the beginning of the season. I always thought it was sort of Carolina. Everybody knew the Eagles were the best team in the NFC, at least by that point, not going to say they knew they were better. Cause I do think even with Carson Wentz healthy playing at the level, if he never got hurt, if he won MVP, they would have been massive favorites over Atlanta they would have been massive favorites over Minnesota at home. They would have probably been underdogs in, in the Super Bowl to New England because New England's New England, even though they shouldn't have been probably in that scenario. In that scenario, uh, they probably literally would have been underdogs. But, yeah, I always thought that narrative was bull crap. Other than this, other than this reason, Jody, 
the players bought into it. That's right. all you need. That's all exactly. you need. Exactly. So what John use... McMahon thinks, what Johnny McDonald thinks is nice. The, the thing that matters is how the players react, how the players believe, how the players sell themselves and self-motivate. And they did. I will never forget Lane Johnson out there with that dog mask on yeah. right after the so they, they They, they embraced it, it. Lock, stock, and barrel. And use whatever you need to use. And Doug Peterson did a tremendous job of that. Um, but, you know, yeah, just from the standpoint, I, see, to me, and again, everything comes down to definitions. To me, underdogs, real underdogs are, you know, you don't know they're that good and they jump up. Like the Giants when they beat the Patriots. That That's a significant underdog, beating an undefeated uh, Patriots team and whatever the hell they were, nine and seven. I mean, that's ridiculous. That that kind of stuff doesn't happen uh, every day. Well, obviously, you don't have undefeated teams every day. But um, that, to me, is, you know, clear, defined, all season. Everybody knew that was a massive underdog. That's That's my only point about that. But use whatever you can. And Doug Peterson used it beautifully because everybody – was saying, oh, the season's over. Oh, oh, the season. And he, and he used it. And, you know, I give Doug Peterson more credit than anybody else for that because he, he was able to motivate the guys that way. And they had the great team. And they played great. And they continued to play great. Players that played great all season played great. They continued. They didn't say, what was me? Uh, we don't have our quarterback. And they went out and won the only Super Bowl championship in franchise history. So all the credit to Doug Peterson for that. Um, and, 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 you know, the seven and nine Washington commanders, like if you go over the span, so 2003, 2004, the Giants haven't won a division title since 2011, Jody. And their three really? division titles. 12 years? Yeah, their Holy three Mac division Bull. titles. Were 11 wins, 12 wins in 2008. They were a good team. Then nine wins in the 2011 when they won the Super Bowl, beat the Patriots, the you know undefeated regular season, 18 and 0 coming into that game. Um, Washington has won three as well over that span, 10 wins, nine wins, seven wins, and that has been Cowboys Eagles back and forth, back and forth. Um, and it's going to continue to be that way. And that's got to be your concern. There's only one team that can beat the Eagles in the NFC East this year. Only one team. Now, and this is, as is everything, I hope people understand. Barring massive injuries, if you right. lose your quarterback, if you lose a bunch of all-pro level players, that could change things. But if you're relatively healthy, only the Cowboys have a chance to beat the Eagles. I would agree with that. And uh, I don't think there's as big a disparity between the Cowboys and the Giants as you do. The Cowboys are certainly number two. Um, would I be surprised at the Cowboys but deals? Yes. Would I be shocked? I can't get there. And I don't know that I would even be shocked if I would say that the Giants can't win this division at 10 and 7. Now, you're right. The injuries come into play. Uh, that changes everything drastically. This is saying relative help for everyone. I, I do, even though you know I'm not a Danny Dimes fan, I just like their coach. I like the offseason they've had. They had a good draft. Uh, I think the Giants are, are 
I think the gap, Eagle fans will like hearing this. I think the gap between the Giants and the Cowboys is less than the gap between the Cowboys and the Eagles. I think the Eagles are that much better than the Cowboys, than the Cowboys are that much better than the Giants. And sorry to say, Ron Rivera fans, yeah, I think the Commanders are bringing up the back end again this year. Good luck with Sammy Howell, who is going to be their starting quarterback. Rivera came out and said that this weekend. No great surprise because Howell took all the number one snaps during their uh, spring get-togethers. But, yeah, yeah, I'm not picking Sam Howell to get out of last place this year. Yeah, I, well, I'm with you with the Giants from the perspective of, of I think they're headed in the right direction. But I think, you know, I think they finally, after all those years of of, of just bad, you know, it was Ben McAdoo, it was Pat Shermer, it was Joe Judge. I mean, just bad decision after bad decision. Yeah, but the Eagle, Eagle, Eagles went from 4-11 and 11 with the last year of Doug Peterson to playoffs to Super Bowl. So you don't think the Giants can do that in year two? No, I don't for the reason because I think that uh, that last Doug Peterson season was an anomaly. And Nick Sirianni's actually said this. Um, typically, when you take over a team, you've you got some issues on the offensive and defensive lines. Typically, you're taking over bad teams. And, and typically, you have some big issues that you have to fix on both sides of the football. The Eagles built that way. They had that awful season of injuries on the offensive line. Guys, just incredible attrition. And all of a sudden, you have all these good players on the – and Nick just walks in, and he's got Kelsey and Johnson and, 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 and you know, ends up all these great players and turns into Isaac Samalo later and Landon Dickerson, and Isaac was already there. And he's – to his credit, he said that. He said, and the defensive line, same way, you know, when Swartz was here, it was the same thing. He called it the engine of his defense. That's how the Eagles built their team. So they weren't a four-win football team. They were on paper, but not talent-wise. The Giants were talent deficient, um, and they're still talent deficient, but they're getting better. And and that's bad news for Eagles fans because – they got guys making good decisions, um, and that's good for Giants fans, bad for Eagles fans. But I don't think they're there yet. I don't think they're there yet. Giants, I'm talking. Uh, about. Uh, yeah, I'm a little bit uh, higher on the Giant talent than you are. I think they had a good offseason. I think they had a good draft. And uh, I do think and every team that did not only make the playoffs but won a playoff game. And I know is against the – really tough to gauge and understand Minnesota Vikings who won 13 games, but every game by the skin of their teeth, except when they got blown out. I know it's kind of a weird year for Minnesota, but Giants did win a road playoff game, which how many teams in the NFL last year won a road playoff game? About three. Uh, that, that, that's saying something. So, I you think know, that- if they, if, because, you know, I was saying all year, it wasn't, this is not revisionist history. That Minnesota team was a house of cards, particularly because defensively. Now, if they would have came in here and just put up an effort and lost by 10 points, even 13 points, you know, made it a little bit difficult for the Eagles the next week, I would have put more stock in that win in Minnesota. But they got boat race, Jody. They got destroyed. 
they they were not prepared to play a team on the Eagles level, nor nor should they be. Nor should they be. They kind of overachieved. And and you know, by the way, Minnesota's going through the same thing because they they didn't expect to be that good on paper. And all of a sudden, people are looking at them and saying, well, you won 13 games. Why are you releasing Dalvin Cook? Why are you releasing Zadarius Smith? Why are you potentially trading Daniil Hunter? Well, they didn't really. They, they, they won 13 games literally, but to their credit, and and I'm not a big Kwesi fan, Kwesi Adelpa Mensa, but to his credit, he, he's being realistic with himself. They're, they they won 13 games, but they're not a significant contender. And by the way, I'll be the first to say, Jody, I don't like that mentality because they're 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 basically, you know, ripping it down. Yeah, they win 13 it. games. Let's go into rebuild mode. Well, yeah, I wouldn't be happy if I were a Viking fan. I can tell you that right well, now. And I get that from a fan perspective, but I do think it's important if you're a general manager to be honest with yourself and. I, I think Joe Shane's the same way. He's honest with himself. He didn't expect to be that good last year on paper. Um, and I think he knows he's not at the level of the Eagles, to say the least. All right, so and, here's my question for you, John. Should we just move straight ahead to a rematch in the NFC East, uh, in the NFC Championship game between the 49ers and the Eagles? No, because Why I... Going I through the out of the 17 games if well, the Eagles and the 49ers are that much better. Well, you know else. why? Because there's injury, there's attrition. I just said there's a four-win season that was an anomaly for the Eagles because of injuries uh, for the main part and, and also other things. I mean, Carson Wentz and, and you know, the the his almost inexplicable slide from being uh, a, a good player to being out of the league in a, a couple of years. He's still looking for a job, trying to hang on to John Gruden as they both try to reclimate together. Um, so uh, that, that, that season was an, an anomaly uh, and it happens all the time. It could be injuries. It could be, um, uh, it could be a, a, a player coming off the rails, could be a player suspension. You know, a key suspension. We've seen that in the past around the NFL. There's a lot of things that happen. That's why you play the games. But, yeah, I mean, Jody McDonald is the one who said, I, I think you have the Eagles as the favorite. I think you have the 49ers. You're higher on the 49ers than me because of the quarterback. And I love the 49ers. Are they the two best teams on paper? Oh, easy. Yeah, probably. Can Dallas beat them? Well, you can say they haven't done anything in the playoffs, which is fair. You only got to do it once, and they have the talent to do it. Um, I, I don't think they're going to do it, but they can do it. And then there's going to be some other teams that jump up. Um, and the NFC, on paper, looks bad. I Seattle's a team I have my eye on. Detroit's a team. Maybe New Orleans because of the upgrade in quarterback. I, I would have said Minnesota, uh, but they are ripping it down, as we just said. So you got to put them in the backseat. Um, maybe Chicago. You're a big Justin Fields guy. Yeah. Maybe oh, Green Chicago, Bay. Chicago. Uh, what was the worst team to make the playoffs last year? Nine, seven, and one? 
with the Giants nine seven one. Did they get the last playoff spot? I'm trying to. Or, right. Well, Tampa was the worst because they won a division. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. But uh, I'm talking about the final wild card spot. I I think the Bears are got a real time chance to be a nine and seventeen. And that puts them in the mix for that last wild card spot because there is no killer in that division. I'm not as high on Detroit as as you are. Um, Minnesota. Well, and, that, and by the way, Detroit's already hampered by the the suspensions. I mean, it, exactly. It, um, so things like that happen. I I I said it last week. I brought it up. I forget what we we're talking about. Uh, Bill Parcells, one of his great quotes, four or five things happen every day in the NFL that you don't want to happen as a head coach. And if you can't deal with it, you got to get another job. But his, his whole point is, I don't know what it is, Jody, but shit's going to come at Nick Sirianni. It is, even with that talent, it's going to come. And it might be injuries. It might be off the field stuff. It might be something else. Um it might be issues with the coaching staff and the changes. Uh, could be a whole host of things. But you're going to have to overcome adversity. Even the 16-0 and Patriots had to overcome adversity to get the 16-0 and before blowing it. Um, it's coming. You know, but the Eagles are better equipped for it than most teams. Right. And it hasn't come yet during this offseason. And now they're into the downtime and then the camp will open up and we'll see if it if if and when and how it's coming. But it hasn't come through drama. The Eagles have had basically no drama since the draft after they got lucky enough that uh, maybe the most talented player in the draft fell down to number nine where they could just trade up one spot and get them. Things have gone the Eagles way this offseason. And it's been sans drama. I think the biggest thing was last week, uh, Darius Slay having to explain that he and Matt Patricia are okay at a Detroit uh, golf charity <laughs> thing. Uh, that's not a whole hell of a lot of drama for the Eagles during this offseason, and good on them for that. Who gets more credit for that, Nick Sirianni or Howie Roseman? Uh, I guess, you know, they both deserve credit. But, uh, you know, when it comes to um, – when it comes to, I don't know what you want to call it, off the field stuff. I'll just throw that drama. Large... That's the word I used. If you All get right, my drama, when it comes of drama, the Eagles have been drama free this off season. Who gets the most credit, the coach or the general manager? I I would say the general manager because I think that has more to do with um, bringing in what what whether you want to call them mature. Uh, use more mature players. In other words, I don't think a bad guy comes into um, uh, a, a certain situation and turns into a good guy. Um, so I think it's, I think it's avoiding those people. And that's why I give them the benefit of the doubt with Jalen Carter, to be honest, for the most part, they do a good job with that kind of stuff. Yeah, but you um, did tell me CJGJ was a big personality. They it's a big personality. I didn't tell you he was a bad guy. Big dra- personality. Well, drama. Well, he's uh, a pain in the ass, is what well, I described. Yeah. I'm I'm trying to find that middle ground between being a bad person, but also someone who can cause issues and uh, yeah. just disturbances. Uh, I know we're having a little bit of a semantical debate here, but GJ GJ was a guy who 
yeah, they made some ruffles in the, the locker room. They don't even have that this year. Yeah. Well, I'm going to compare it to the old Sixers with Jimmy, the Jimmy Butler versus Ben Simmons thing. You know, Jimmy could be a pain in the ass at times, but, oh, uh, yeah. you know, he wasn't a bad guy uh, versus the immaturity and, 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 you know, entitlement of Ben Simmons. The, the Sixers made the wrong decision uh, there. You know, it, one's a bad guy in a different way. I'm not saying he's robbing banks or doing bad things off the court. He's just, he's just a bad guy from a basketball standpoint. He doesn't want to do what he needs to do to become a better basketball player. Whereas Jimmy Butler is a pain in the ass at times, but he's ultra competitive. Uh, He's always trying to win. He's always fighting and kicking and clawing. That's the guy you want. You can both say to the outside looking in, oh, he's he's a bit of an ass, uh, Jimmy Butler. But from a from a standpoint of a team, that's the kind of guy you want, and that's the kind of guy you want to try to harness. That's what they were trying to do with CJ, and they did for one year. It didn't last as as long as it could have. It should have. And then after he left, you saw some of the negative. You know taking his shots and all that kind of stuff because he's, you know, he's kind of a pain in the, you know, what, um, not a bad guy. Um, is he a bad guy from a football standpoint? I don't think on the field, maybe off the field, maybe he is a little bit. Um, but they don't do a lot of that and they don't have a lot of those issues. You're always going to have some, nobody's perfect. I, but you know, they brought in Daryl War, uh, uh, Worley. They brought him back home. You know, he gets arrested uh, uh, right outside the Novacare complex. People forget because they cut him right away. They said, all right, we made a mistake. Let's get him out of here. Right. Um, and in, in football, you got a 53-man roster. So in baseball, it's only 25. NBA, it's only 15. The more players you had, the more chance you get to have a guy who's going to fall off the, the straight and narrow path. So for the Eagles to be in the position they're in is pretty darn impressive. Uh, if you want to give Howie slightly more credit than Sirianni, I can't really blame you because Sirianni had them together for, what, 20 minutes during the spring? Getting together, <laughs> you're there for about the 20 minutes, uh, 15 out of the 20 they had. So I don't know how much credit I can give. To 100 minutes, minutes Jody, we got, we got to see. But they were there for far longer. Again, the Eagles value the behind-the-scenes stuff, the meetings and the the education and, and the teaching and the walkthroughs. More than the actual uh, practice. And and you heard no rumors whatsoever on eraser fights in the classrooms there where they spent their majority of the time. So maybe the coaching staff should get some credit. Uh, So far be it for me to try and stir things up, but I will go ahead and do it anyway. Um, Howie Roseman this offseason. They still got a couple positions where if the right guy falls, the best trade can be made. They're still looking to upgrade the roster, but it, it's it's pretty darn well set. So Howie is twiddling his thumbs in his office. Any chance he starts thinking about contract extensions? The Eagles have been very good during Howie Roseman's era to make the right move at the right time to extend a guy to identify one of their core players and get a contract done when it might be more advantageous, team-friendly, and the like. They got a couple of guys 
the 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 sweet spot is two year players who don't have that fifth year option. A guy who's been on the team for two years. Once you get to that third year, now they're a year away from free agency. They're going, damn, why should I sign a card? Let me go to free agency. I'm that good. I can get that much more. Let me get teams bidding against each other. So the sweet spot is right around that two-year spot. They've got a couple of pretty good players, guys who have already contributed, guys, one who's been already awarded uh, in his short career, and the other one who's part of a big mix. Landon Dickerson, Milton Williams, both drafted two years ago, both already contributing to the team, both non-first-round draft picks, so their contract will be up in two years. Are those two guys Howie Roseman should be talking to about contract extension? No, because um, you have to wait to the third year to to be eligible for an extension. So, um, you know, he could start formulating and they generally uh you know the eagles are well ahead of the curve think about jalen hurts i mean you know wasn't eligible um not that they would have made that uh move but it wasn't eligible to this year uh for a contract extension they got it done um you know so i'm sure he's got uh 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 you know Bryce Johnson and Jace Rosenberg putting together the skeleton of guys he knows are going to be here long-term, but I mean, can't do it. You can't do it. So you don't have to worry about it Fair until enough. you can do it. Um, All right. So then let me throw you one more name. This is not a draft pick. This is a completely eligible to have a contract extension with now again, two years out. Cause once you get to within a year, the player is tempted to go, yeah, let's play this out. Let, let, let's get to free agency and let me see if I can get other teams interested in it. Hassan Reddick now has only two years left on his deal. They did a three-year deal with him. A lot of times that bigger player, and yeah, he was coming off a good year, not a, anything like the year that he had for the Eagles, had a career year last year, and you don't usually like to negotiate after a career year, but uh, 12 months from now, not even nine, eight, 10 months from now, his son Reddick's going to be on the last year of his contract. You have contract extension talks with him right now? No, I, I, I wouldn't, you know, it, it, he, he outperformed his contract. He's actually underpaid. So that to me is more of an issue from the player perspective. If, if, you know, Hassan and his agent want to play hardball and say, look, we outperformed. The Eagles are going to have some issues because they have so many good players. And probably you you hit on one because they just drafted Nolan Smith. And you have Nolan Smith very cost-effective now for a number of years uh, as a first-round pick. Um, but, you know, if Hassan Reddick puts together another season like he had last season, whew, I, I you know. You're well, talking. If you get if you get an extension done now, you don't have to worry about him going out and getting 18. Seconds. Yeah, but you know, and who, who we were just talking about, Daniel Hunter. It, 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 there's a price to pay for getting that deal done early. That has been the Eagles' history. That was Minnesota's history under Rick Spielman. Get guys done early, um, and if you get it right. And the Vikings right. got it, it. It's a risk either way. It can, yeah. can be a boon or it can be a failure. But the reason I'm bringing him up is because they got it right with Hunter. And then he was pissed off 
a year and a half in because he signed for such under market value. And all of a sudden you have a disgruntled player and you've had a disgruntled player for four or five years now. And it's always in perpetuity of you having the disgruntled pick. So it's sort of the unintended consequence. If you sign Hassan, and first of all, you had such a great season last year. I don't know if it's possible, but if you re-up them at under market value and all of a sudden the guy's getting, because remember the cap's going to keep going up and he's going to be underpaid again. That's the unintended consequence. And that's where I, you know, Hunter just held out of mini camp, um, wants a trade. Um, you have that sort of back and forth. Um, and, and that's a concern. And the other position is wide receiver because you're paying AJ Brown a ton of money and Devonte Smith's going to get to that situation where you have to pay him a ton of money. And then what do you do? It's typical. It's a nice problem to have, but it's typical. That's still three years down the road. It's on only two because you got that fifth year option with Devonte and that's why I think. Yeah, but yeah, but 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 that fifth-year option, man. But again, it, it, yes, you have it in 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 your back pocket in the worst-case scenario. You don't want a pissed-off player, and, and if you're going to underpay a guy throughout, he's eligible after his third season, and you're going to underpay, underpay. All of a sudden, you have a disgruntled guy. Now, it doesn't look like that's Devonte Smith's personality, but I will say two things. You never know when guys feel slighted, number one, and he's going to have an agent whispering in his ear saying, you're slighted. And number two, the Eagles generally don't do business that way. To their credit, they generally want to be fair to their players, especially the players that produce. So they generally don't go down that route. Um, It's a nice fallback to have the fifth-year option. But it's, sometimes it's not realistic if a player performs at a certain level. Yeah, I, I'd rather have it and not need it than not have it and need it. Uh, so I think the Eagles are actually in good shape there. And Devontae does seem, again, I'm judging character on a guy who's only been here two years. Uh, his agent will be a bigger hassle than But we thought that uh, uh, the quarterback's agent could have been potential issue since uh, cutting the big. I didn't. He was others ever going to cut. <laughs> no, uh, I, I. When you've got an agent who's never done that mag- mega a deal, you do have concerns. They got it done. You were right. Uh, Eagles got it done. Congratulations to uh, her and to uh, Jalen for coming to what seemed to be a very fair contract agreement. Yeah, I, I was actually concerned. All right, quick time out. Then we come back. Zach Berman, the author of Underdogs. We'll run that whole underdog thing by him when we get him up. Eagles down season. We're up with uh, Zach Berman next here on Birds 365. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. 
Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go and go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. All right, did you know I was the mommy slam dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really, don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready, all right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, go to left, fake a mama. Mama, go up, mama! She did it. Again? You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh huh. Help us do that from the athletic longtime Eagle beat reporter Zach Berman. Zach, how's your spring going since summer doesn't start till uh, Wednesday of this week? Uh, it's, it's going well. I, I wish I, w- I had more practices to go to, but yeah, counting down until training camp now. Come on, you got a hundred minutes, Zach. Uh, <laughs> happy belated Father's Day. So Thank I you. guess I'll, 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 I'll start it there, Zach. What did you uh, take? out of that 100 minutes that you got to see the Eagles? Or can you take anything out of that short window in the spring when there's no pads, there's no team drills in Philadelphia, there's no mandatory minicamp? Did you learn anything about this team? Nothing conclusive that, you know, I, I, I'd i say changed the way I thought. I think training camp is when we'll obviously learn much more. Uh, you know, I, I, I really do think that, the big questions on, on this team in particular, the, the back end of the defense in the, in the, in the middle, whether it's safety, whether it's linebacker, we won't have a better sense of that until training camp or the preseason. You know, I could, I can come on here and say, Christian Ellis look good, but uh, that would really be cherry picking a very small sample size here. So I, you know, I, I tend to think that this time of year, it's a matter of, of seeing who's who's there, uh, if they're healthy, who's recovering from injuries, the shape they might be in, the mood that they're in, 
but we'll know more come training camp and preseason. Yeah, I sorry if I can't get too jazzed up by seven on seven drills. It just <laughs> may, maybe it's me, but uh, that's the way I look at it. Here's something we were discussing before we punch up because uh, Eddie Kratz pointed out on SI.com. This will be the 20th year in a row if the Philadelphia Eagles don't win the division that a different winner of the NFC East will come forward. And that the other three teams, the Cowboys, the Giants, and the Commanders, all get to play the underdog card this year. We know the Eagles played the underdog card back in 2017, except they couldn't carry it over and win a division in 2018. It's almost unfathomable that you could not have a repeat winner for 20 years is the underdog thing going to work for the Cowboys? Did the Cowboys, Giants, and Commanders look at the Eagles as this uh, behemoth that uh, they've got to knock from their pedestal? How much uh, of an upside is there to being an underdog in the NFC East? I don't think the underdog matters so much as, you know, it's certainly the the schedule helps you when you're not the first place team, right? But again, there are variables there that we don't know. Uh, the reason why I would say that there hasn't been that that repeat champion is there, there really hasn't been that, that, that bona fide franchise quarterback in the division since McNabb. I suppose Eli Manning was up there. Right. But, uh, but the reality is when you look at Tom Brady winning every year, Patrick Mahomes winning every year, you have that Aaron Rodgers winning every year, you have that quarterback who is atop that division annually. And the NFC East hasn't had that. Uh, Now, as far as this year, I think the Cowboys are a really good team. And I think Eagles fans should pay proper respect to this Cowboys team because uh, I, th- I think the talent's there. I think the quarterback play can be there. And they're a legitimate threat, not just in the NFC East, but in the NFC. Uh, so if there's a repeat, if there's not a repeat championship year, I think it's Dallas. So it really surprised me if it's the Giants or Washington. Yeah, I agree with you, Zach. I think the Cowboys are one of the three teams you could look at in the NFC that are clearly uh, a leg up on the rest, along with the Eagles and probably San Francisco. But San Francisco, so many question marks uh, around the quarterback spot. But before we get to the conference as a whole, I do. I I, I want to pick your brain on the coaching staff, and obviously we know they have two new coordinators. But Nick Sirianni also created this new level. It wasn't here before. Marcus Brady on offense, senior offensive assistant. Matt Patricia on defense, senior defensive assistant. These roles didn't exist last year. Marcus was here as a consultant late. They had Bick as a consultant in the lead up to the Super Bowl. But these are clearly defined coaching roles. Is this more then it looks like on paper or less, or you don't have a feel for it yet. No, I think there's, there's value in having experience in the room, particularly when you have, I mean, on the offensive side, a first time offensive coordinator in the NFL on the defensive side, someone who's entering what is his second year as a defensive coordinator in the NFL. Really? So, so I, I, I look at it uh, that it, it just gives you experience in the room. I, I wouldn't make any more of it than, when Marty Mortenwake was a, an offensive consultant, you know, or senior offensive assistant rather back in 2020, uh, if I have my year correct there, it's, it, 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 it pays to have a, another voice. And I, I think that's the way they're, they're, they're viewing it. The coaching staff has background with both Brady and Patricia. 
Uh, so that's that's the perspective I'm taking on it. All right, a uh, little crystal ball action for you, uh, Zach. Week one up in Boston or uh, wherever you want to call it, uh, Rhode Island, wherever that is. Foxborough. Yeah. Foxborough. Foxborough. Uh, Eagles, Patriots. Uh, the Eagles win the toss, and of course they defer. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Jake Elliott kicks it out of the back of the end zone. Patriots get it first and 10 from the 25-yard line. Who are the two Eagle linebackers on the field? Uh, at this point, I would say N'Kobe Dean and Nick Morrow. Um, you know, I'm fairly confident it's going to be Dean there. Uh, they have a lot invested in Dean. They want him to be to be the you know a top linebacker for the next three years at least. Uh, as far as the second guy, I still think Howie can make a move. Uh, you know, I, they'll go into camp and see what they have, similar to what they did at safety last year. And if they feel a move is necessary, then they have assets they can trade to acquire another linebacker. Perhaps Christian Ellis beats out Morrow. I don't think it'll be Sean Bradley or Davion Taylor, uh, but I think it's it's going to be Dean and Morrow for the most part. I can also see them playing uh, more, you know, more lighter packages at, at linebacker, heavier packages in, in the back end, bring a safety into the box, bring someone like uh, Terrell Edmonds into the box a little more and play that style. So there's a handful of things they can do to be versatile, but to answer the, your question succinctly as far as the top two, I would go Dean and Morrow. Yeah, I'm starting to think, uh, uh, Zach, I'm starting to think about three safeties more than I have in the past. And as you mentioned, uh, it could be Terrell Edmonds playing essentially that second linebacker role. Um, and you have if Sidney Brown is up to speed, they started him out very slowly uh, over the spring, pretty much uh, hung with the third team. Uh, both times that we were allowed to look at uh, practice, and I put that in quotations, but um, I could see that uh, developing a little bit more. Do you think there's a tipping point? Because, boy, when you start looking at Hassan Reddick up front and, and Nolan Smith, who's not, you know, he's going to be the fourth rotational edge rusher in theory, but that's meaningful on this team that likes to come at you in waves. He'll get snaps, very undersized. Other than Jordan Davis, a lot of undersized uh, defensive tackles. Uh, lack of size. Nicobe Dean is undersized. Nicholas Morrow is undersized. Is somebody going to wake up in the NFL? We're in a new age. It's pass, pass, pass. It's like, hey, maybe we can run the football against these these light defenses. Do you ever see that tipping point coming back pendulum more than that coming back the other way? It's a valid point. I hear what you're saying. I've spoken to a number of defensive coordinators who would love if teams just run, 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 right? Uh, because it's, it's, it's much harder to, to score big points if that's the approach that you're taking. Uh, so no, I, I, I think that yeah, I'm, I'm thinking out loud here. I hear your point there. And I do think the Eagles are undersized. I think some of the guys though, you know, for instance, Nolan Smith undersized based on weight, not in terms of body composition, right? You, you look at him out there and he, he doesn't look undersized when he plays and Hassan Reddick, you know, he doesn't look undersized when he plays. So I, I, I think uh, I would pay more attention to playing size where I think it matters more is in the middle of the defensive line. And you mentioned Jordan Davis out, out, outside of that. I mean, 
you know, I, I think Jalen Carter has the prototypical size there. Fletcher Cox gives you what they need to there. It's it's mostly Milton Williams, who's kind of this hybrid type. And you make a good point about, about Nicobe Dean. I mean, this is partly why Dean was there in the third round. In Dean's case, I think you need to trust the fact that the instincts matter and that when he was at Georgia, he was the best linebacker in college football uh, for the best defense. And he played on – he was the alpha on the best defense in college football. So I think he's someone who – you can have someone who's – rocked up 6'3", 250. If they're a second slower with instincts, it doesn't matter. All right. It should be interesting. Again, I'm back to the first week of the season as to who will be out there for the Eagles. Let's say the competition at the right guard position is close, that both uh, Juergens and Steen do what's asked of them in the preseason. One of them doesn't just blow the other away and look more dominant at it. Who gets the final vote? We know it'll be a collaborative decision with the coach, the offensive coordinator, the offensive line coach, the hands-on general manager. Shoot, we may even go to the hands-on owner. Jeff Flory likes to point to certain decisions he makes. Always gets right. Amazing. He's batting a thousand percent at those those decisions. Who gets final vote as to who the starting right guard of the Philadelphia Eagles this year? Well, Jeff Stoutland. I, I think they would take Jeff Stoutland's opinion. And that would be the organization's opinion. Uh, Jeff Stoutland, they trust. He, he, he knows his linemen. He knows what works best. He knows what works best next to Lane Johnson. So, yeah, this is, this is going to come down to who Jeff Stoutland thinks is the best right guard. Um, Zach, it was interesting to me, our second uh, sort of open session. Uh, now, there's no team drills, but I was paying attention to – uh, the offensive line during individual work because it was a Kelsey maintenance day. And Jody brings up the competition at right guard. In theory, Cam Jurgens is the leader. Maybe Tyler Steen can get involved. If they both can't do it, maybe Jack Driscoll gets involved. Um, but, you know, Kelsey had his maintenance day. We know how this team does uh, uh, business now. He's going to have a bunch of maintenance days over the summer. If you need Cam Jurgens to get up to speed at right guard, are you going to have him play center during those maintenance days? Well, day one, they had him playing center. And they had Tyler Steen uh, with the first team at right guard. Yeah, I, I get think... it. It's, it's the spring. Sorry, real quick. It's the spring. It doesn't matter. But is that surprising? Does it tell you anything? Does it say, hey, they're comfortable with Cam Jurgens doing both? Or – is it lean you more towards they really want to look at Tyler Steen? No, well, well, Kem Jurgens has to do both because if if Kelsey went down this year, and he hasn't gone down in a while, but if he goes down this year, Cam Jurgens is 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 your center. Cam uh, yeah. Jurgens is a better center than he is guard, and the Eagles view him as their long term center there. So it behooves them to cross train Jurgens, even if Jurgens is the starting right guard as I expect. If something were to happen to Kelsey. It's Kelsey and then either Steen or, 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 or Driscoll. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll say Steen for the sake of argument here. Uh, but, but, but that's why I think you'll see Jurgens taking time at, at, at both guard and center this summer. And, uh, and I, you know, I, I think that they'll still give Jurgens the work that he needs at right guard, but they need to keep him fresh there. Because if, if, if Kelsey went down, the only way to avoid catastrophe is making sure Jurgens is, is ready at that position. 
All right, uh, John and I kick this back and forth all the time. Need your take on it. A lot of people projecting with the addition of DeAndre Swift and maybe an expanded role for Kenneth Gainwell. This year, Jalen Hurts is going to throw the ball to guys out of the backfield a lot more than he did last year. He didn't do much of it last year, as a matter of fact, like under 100 targets for running backs over out of almost 500 passes that he threw last year. You buying that? Does, does the addition of a guy like Swift mean that the Eagles will be using backs more to catch ball out of the backfield this season? Yes and no. And and I, I say that Nick Sirianni loves to include running backs in the passing game. I mean, if you go back to his first year as coach, he was very transparent about how that's going to be used in the offense. What's changed since then is the addition of A.J. Brown. The Eagles have A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, and Dallas Goddard. And this is like having a big three in the NBA. They're going to get a uh, – the target share is going to be disproportionately skewed to those three players. And whenever Jalen Hurts drops back, the question is going to be, how do you get Devontae Smith, A.J. Brown, or Dallas Goddard the ball? Uh, and that won't change this year. So where I, I think that someone like Swift uh, could take catches away from whether it's Quez Watkins or Jack Stoll or – you know, whatever was thrown to Miles Sanders last year, not not much there. But I, I do think Swift's going to be involved in the passing game. The other thing is I think they're, they're going to have to pass the ball more this year. Uh, if you look at their second-half leads and their fourth-quarter leads last last season, um, they really didn't have that. I think they only had four games where they passed the ball more than – I don't have to stat in front of me – more than five times in the fourth quarter. Uh, they, they, they were running the ball to protect leads. And it would surprise me if they have as many double-digit leads in the fourth quarter. So there's going to be more passes to go around. And a lot of those will go to the big three, if you will. But some of those will go to Swift. They are definitely going to utilize Swift in the passing game. Uh, Zach Berman at Z Berm. Make sure you follow uh, Zach on Twitter. Um, if you didn't get your dad a, a gift for Father's Day, you're a little bit late. Uh, underdogs, if you want to relive the Eagles, still only Super Bowl championships. Zach did a tremendous job there. Subscribe to The Athletic. They have a, a, a special going on as well. You can read Zach and his buddy Bo Wolf there. Um, I'll leave it here with you, Zach. Um, we do the show every day, Jody and I, every weekday. I, I'm amazed. We don't talk about Jalen Hurts anymore, Zach. We, all, all we did last year at this time was talk about Jalen Hurts. Is he good enough? Have you ever seen anything like this, this leap in production uh, in one calendar year and a player go from – you know, can he do this? Can he do that? To being such a a given, a constant, any adjective you want to use, it's the work ethic, the talent. We've seen it all with Jalen Hurts. He doesn't seem affected by the contract. Any comp? Can he come up with it? I don't remember anything like it. Well, it's, it's 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 a good question. I mean, there have been players who, you know, Mahomes' first year as a starter, Lamar Jackson's first year as a starter, where where they step in and, and become MVP caliber players year one. But I think the the delta between where he was in 2021 and where he was in 2022 that that jumps out to me. And it's it's a credit to Jalen. Uh, it's a credit to the organization for putting talent around him. Um, but no, you're right. Is that the, the, the 
part of the the uh, the great thing about having a quote unquote franchise quarterback is the security of not having to worry about that position, right? Now, every pass is going to be scrutinized. Everything he does in practice in a game is scrutinized because that comes with the position. But in terms of your list of concerns, if we were talking on June 19th a year ago, you would say, well, Jalen needs to prove X, Y, and Z for them not to acquire a quarterback next offseason. And now the only question is, A, can Jalen stay healthy? And, like, B, is there another gear? Like, is is what you saw last year when he was number two in the MVP voting and he went toe for toe with uh, with Mahomes? Uh, is is that like is that the ceiling? And I know Jalen doesn't like to use that term ceiling, or or does that raise? And I do think there can be I think there can be more from Jalen. Um, I, I I think and I, I saw this right with with Nick Foles in in 2013 and with Carson Wentz in 2017 when a quarterback plays so spectacularly one year, you can't expect that to be the norm every season. I mean, Aaron Rodgers has had down years. Mahomes, I don't know if Mahomes has had down years. He's had some years better than others. Uh, but what you want is you want that floor to be so high that when Jalen Hurts is on the field, you can win that game because of him. And he showed that last year. ZB, great stuff. We appreciate you jumping in with us. Uh, continue to enjoy your downtime. Before you know it, you're going to have to be seeing McMullen every single day. Uh, can't wait. I feel for you. I feel for you, Zach. <laughs> Always a pleasure catching up, Zach. Thanks for hopping out with us. You. Hope you had a great Father's Day yesterday. That's Zach Berman from The Athletic here with us on Birds 365. All right, Johnny Mac, Johnny Mac, coming back. We got a good guest uh, coming up in hour number two. We'll give you details on that when we return here on Birds 365. Imaginations run wild and time stands still because here you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods.
and save at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Hi, everybody. My name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech, we offer three major services, the first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you're having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles. You got the Mac and Mac guys here with you on Bird Street 65. Thanks, Zach Berman, for jumping in with us. Uh, coming up in less than 20 minutes now, Jason Cole, NFL author and Hall of Fame voter, is going to jump in. We'll certainly get his take on the birds, but hit him up with a couple of uh, overall National Football League questions. One of the things we brought up with Zach, John, which I want to follow up on with you, is the throwing the ball to the running backs out of the backfield thing this year. I know you and I are, are pretty close to in lockstep on this one, uh, that last year the Eagles did it so minimally that 13% of their passes went to their running backs last year. 13%. That's not a big number at all. They just did not do it much. And I don't think it's a strength of Jalen Hurts's. And when in doubt, Jalen Hurts is going to pull the ball down and run with it rather than flare it out to the backfield, dump it down to the running back, use whatever phrase you need to to describe it. I know DeAndre Swift is very good at it. He was very good with with, uh, the Lions. And that was part of their offense. They designed that in. And maybe Goff happened to be very good at it. And that's why they relied on it as much as they did. Um, uh, Zach said Nick Sirianni loves to throw the ball to the running back side of the backfield. Really? What evidence do we have of that here in Philadelphia? Since he's gotten here, he hasn't done much of it. Jalen's first year, even less so last year. Why do people think that the, the Eagles going to throw the ball to the running back out of the backfield? I don't know. I we 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 had this discussion dating back to all the B. John Robinson nonsense and it was. I mean, it, it, first of all, the Eagles are too good at receiver. I mean, they're going to get the ball to A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard. Um, you know, those are the guys who are going to get the majority of the targets for, you know, the obvious reasons of they're so good and they're they're usually open because mm-hmm. they're so good. So you, you, you funnel the football to them in theory. But as far as, you know, I do think there's an opportunity. Zach brought up a good point about, you know, the raw numbers being, you know, they were ahead so much last year. They were running the football to close out the game. So maybe that takes it up a tick just because they're going to have to throw the ball a little bit more with the tougher schedule. In theory, you're going to be in closer games in the fourth quarter. There's going to be more passing and play. And if there's more passing and play, the raw numbers might go up a little bit. And then the second point, which they showed a little bit in the spring, is 
on those bubble routes they run, sometimes they just go up to the line of scrimmage and say, we got the numbers. Um, let's throw the quick wide receiver screen. That might be a running back this year because Swift can do it. Um, and he's better equipped to make that first guy miss. Yeah, but you, as you just mentioned, John, you didn't like the Bijan Robinson split out thing. Why would you like the DeAndre Swift split out thing? No, I, 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 I don't think it's a big part. I didn't like the Bijan Robinson. Oh, he can be your slot receiver thing. Now, this is different. This is when you're empty. Uh, the Eagles play a lot of empty sets. In other words, you know, Kenny Gainwell would do it last year. You know, he's out there. He's not a he's playing wide receiver on that particular play. He's not a wide receiver. Um well, was there a wide receiver inside him? Yeah, typically. I mean, all five guys. So if you would have, say, uh AJ, Devontae, Quez, Dallas Goddard, Kenny Gainwell, those were your five. If you're empty, those those are your five. And in those situations. Maybe they would throw it to Devontae or Quez or even AJ. And maybe they throw it a little bit more to DeAndre in those types of situations because he's a running back and he can break a tackle. Um, maybe. Again, in the spring, I always bring up 21 Pony with Danell Pumphrey and Darren, Darren Sproles on the field at the same time. Looked great in the spring. Didn't look great when they put the pads on. So ultimately... I, I guys who catch a lot of passes in the backfield, the Austin Ecklers, the the if you want to go way back to Roger Craig being if you want to go way back to Fran Tarkington with Ricky Young and Chuck Borman, uh, who were the first team to do it really, those those quarterbacks would dump the football off to the running back. That's not gonna happen. That's not gonna happen because you have a quarterback that can make significant uh, yardage on his own, um, and he would rather do that. Um, that they try to drill into Jalen Hurts and said, "Hey, you know what? Maybe, maybe be a little bit more cautious. Try to do it, but you don't want to take away his default setting." And Nick has talked about it numerous times. You don't want to take away his superpower. You want to take away his superpower to dump the football to DeAndre Swift. All due respect to DeAndre Swift. Come on. Come here's on. the here's the one reason why I hope we see a little bit more. You know, I generally agree with you. Uh, I want Jalen Hurts to feel comfortable taking off whenever they feel the hell he feels like taking off because he's just that good at it. But when you talk about and you ran down a couple of the names of the best pass receivers out of the backfield, and I remember those teams. A uh, guy that I will always remember for that is Ladanian Tomlinson. Just phenomenal <clears throat> catching the ball, making a play in space, one on one against a tackler. To be able to do that, you need a good and athletic offensive line. Guys who are capable of playing a little bit more in space than other offensive lines. The Eagles have that kind of offensive line. In theory, they should be a really good team at throwing to a back out of the backfield and being able to block it up and get that guy to a second level and make it a better play than it was supposed to be. That's why at least I'm hoping I'm doubting you and I are on the same page here. We're doubting it's going to happen. Ooh, got the Andre Swift. They're going to throw the ball that much more. No, I think it's going to take off and make plays with his legs. But if it doesn't, I think it can work 
because main reason is, and Swift was good at I didn't watch every single Lion game when I saw him against the Eagles this year. Yeah, he was going to ace his career numbers. Say he's pretty good at catching ball out of the backfield. No, the reason why I think it could be good for the Eagles this year, John, is they've got an offensive line to be able to pull that off. Even with a guy like Jurgens moving into a guard position, I think he's going to be a quick guard, which is going to mean that they could oh, be he's going to be more it. athletic. They're going to be more athletic with Cam Jurgens playing guard, right? Uh, because he's tremendously athletic. I'm I'm with you there. They can do it. They can from an offensive line perspective. But here's yeah, again, I. Go and, back to and let's let, let's not leave Goddard out of it because he's a damn good no. blocking tight end. Yeah, he, he's getting out in front. Uh, some tight ends, you just say stand there and get in their way. No, Dallas Goddard, you got faith is going to get a little. Uh, but that's if Bum Nick Sirianni and Nick has said this, and I'm uh, Brian Johnson, and I'm uh, uh, Kevin Petullo, and everybody else, and Marcus Brady who puts together this offense as a group. And I have A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith and Dallas Goddard. I don't care about getting the football to some – and, again, I'm not, it's not disrespectful. It's, you know, if, if something happens, and we talk about the drop-off from wide receiver two to wide receiver three on this team, then you might have to play a different way. Mm-hmm. Then DeAndre Swift, Kenny Gainwell might get more involved in the passing game. But as long as you have those three guys, they're getting the targets. They're getting the targets. Now, every once in a while, you're going to throw a curveball. I'm not saying they're never going to throw a, a pass out to the flat to DeAndre Swift. That's what the defense is giving you. But to assume it's going to be a big part of the offense, why the hell would you want to go away from those three receivers who are always open? It, it doesn't make sense. I'll play devil's advocate, which means I really don't believe this, but I'll I'll do it just for conversational sake. Uh, if you could take it up some, getting the ball to a guy out of the backfield, it keeps the defense more honest. That if they're going to be doubling AJ Brown or shading coverage, or, and it's very difficult to do when you have as three outstanding targets the Eagles have, they're tight end and they're two wideouts. It's difficult to do anyway, but even becomes more difficult when you got a guy who you have to account for. If I were a defense playing the Eagles last year, I'm not even worried about uh, covering anybody coming out of that backfield. I'm I'm playing with uh, more defensive backs on the field because I don't think the Eagles are going to throw it to their back. So if you do, then a defense has got to be a little bit more wary of it, and they got to be a little bit uh, as far as people personnel on the field. Maybe you'll see less uh, five DBs, six DBs on the field. That's that's the only reason why I would do it, because basically I'm with you. Throw it less to AJ yeah. and Devontae. No, thank you. I'll throw it more to AJ. Yeah. And well, uh, PFF did uh, recently did their best route runners. Like, who's the best on a particular route? And AJ was number one on slants, and he was number one on go routes. Uh, th- that's the kind of player you're talking about. Uh, we know how good Devontae Smith is, um, and we know how good Dallas Goddard is. It, it's just a matter of, again, the one football theory. You, you want it, these guys, and, and Nick has said that, I can't even tell you how many times Nick has said, look, the passing game starts with A.J., Dallas, Devontae. Um, he said it 
uh, over a dozen times to me. Um, and that part's not going to change because they're all, all pro level players. Um, and it just, look, I hear what you're saying. And, and to me, it's off season stuff. It's like, I'd like to call it laboratory stuff. Um, because when you get in the game, when you get on game day, you want to get your ball, you want to get the football to your best players. And if it's third and six, and another team might say, let's dump it off to the back, try to get there, maybe try to make it fourth and one, fourth and two. If it's third and six, you just convert with A.J. Brown, the best slant receiver in the NFL, just throw him the damn ball. Uh, that's That to me is what it comes down to. But in the offseason, yeah. And that's what people are saying. Well, how can you stop? We go back to Bijan again. How can you stop Bijan Robinson and Dallas Goddard and – at some point, there's a law of diminishing returns and the fact that you got to get everybody the football. We talk about with DeAndre Hopkins. People say, bring him in. You got to make these people happy. You got to get them targets. You got to get them. And we saw it week one. Devontae Smith didn't catch a pass in Detroit. And the Eagles were very cognizant of it. In the first play of the next game, Devontae Smith. <laughs> I think they got up three catches on the first drive. Um and he's the least deepest receiver you're going to find, Devontae Smith. He's in the conversation. That's a big position from a diva standpoint. Look at Stephon Diggs uh, in Buffalo. What was going on at minicamp in Buffalo? Nobody knows. He's there. He's not there. He's upset. He's not upset. He was already in Minnesota. Same thing happened. These guys want the stinking football and if they're good a you should get them the football which the eagles do and b i'm not worried about a running back when i got receivers like the eagles have now if injuries pop up then hey let's get deandre swift involved they need a little bit of a safety net deandre swift could be just that all right john mcmullen jody mcdonald mac and mac here with you on bird street 65 Quickie timeout. We're going to talk to NFL author and Hall of Fame voter Jason Cole. He joins us next here on Birds 365. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement. But would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Go passionately, go fearlessly, 
Go confidently. Go birds! <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction, go with trust, go and go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. All right, did you know I was the mommy slam dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really, don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready, all right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, I go to left, fake a mama. Mama, go up, mama! She did it. Again. You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh-huh. In here on Birds 365, it's the NFL summer, calendar summer comes up later this week, but it's damn time in the NFL, so we like to talk about what's going around the entire league and get a local slant from a guy who's outside the mix, not necessarily here every <laughs> single day, not part of the 100 minutes that John had to watch the Eagles practice 100 minutes. during this spring. Jason, not like the old days. Uh, That's all football. they allowed for. Yeah. Uh, we only had two open OTAs. This sounds like there's something wrong with your mic. Uh, we we only had two open. The Eagles didn't do mandatory minicamp, uh, and there were two open OTAs to reporters. That's it. That's it. So they did much more work, but that was all that was open to us. <laughs> Add. Yeah, J- Jason, uh, see if you can see if you can adjust your mic a little bit because we can just barely hear you. Can you guys hear me better? Now we yeah, got. Now you. we so got. Great. You. Now we okay. got you. Usually, it's the, the headphones usually work great. So I don't yeah. know what happened there. So um, that's. I mean, I, I just don't understand coaches who care that much about. I know. I know. By the way, is it Black T-shirt Day for all of us? Yes. Uh, yeah. Well, same. we got the green screen, so I always got to go dark. Although mine's maroon, I don't know if you can tell. So not close. Uh, I'm a little bit, no, a little bit now. From uh, yeah. from my, well, how I'm looking at it, it, looks almost black. But yeah, maroon I can see. So, anyways, um, yeah, I don't understand being protective of off-season practices. Um, I just, I don't understand coaches. I don't understand what they're thinking. <laughs> I don't they're understand thinking. either. I mean, like uh, and, they're 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 going to war for stuff that is absolutely meaningless. Um, and it's you know, if they're going, it's like going into over into over war over like install practices. It's just it's just I nothing. Know. Yeah, I but know. okay. Oh, oh, by the way, Jason, it's not like they're in there practicing for hours and they let John and all the other beat guys in for ten minutes to go get the hell out. Oh no, they're not even going through the drills. They they do less than any other team in the National Football League. And last year, they had less injuries than almost any other team 
And oh, by the way, they went to the Super Bowl. So you can't even second guess their less is more attitude. Is everybody in the National Football League going to follow the Eagles lead and say, yeah, why should we put our players at risk? Let's let's do less activities. Let's spend that much more time. There, 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 is, there is something to be said for that. I mean, there are a couple of caveats that go with it. You better have a vet, really veteran team. You have better have really veteran leadership that um, forces your entire team to show up in shape on time. So you better have guys like Brandon Graham. You better have guys like um, Fletcher Cox. You better have intense, directed, and focused guys on offense, um, you know, like Jalen Hurts, okay, who have that kind of leadership quality. So you can get away with it, right, if you have the right mix of people, and that and that's okay. Um, and I think there is something to be said for that. I think that there are coaches who go the other direction and overdo it um, in football and wear their guys out. That's absolutely true. But I am also a big believer that if you do that – um, your first part of your season, you're not going to be very good at certain technique-oriented stuff that you know needs yeah. work. Okay, like yeah, you know, basic blocking and tackling. Okay, you're just you're gonna you're gonna suffer there a lot. They evidently did not. They were sharp last year, but I think that has to do with being a veteran team. Um, Jason, we're gonna get into a lot of current stuff with you, but before I do that, I wanted to bring up Bob Brown because he passed uh, mm -hmm. uh, away on Friday. Um, uh, and you're a you're a Hall of Fame selector. Um, yeah. And he to me might maybe the most underrated player in Eagles history. I, I don't know. I, obviously, part of it is age. You know, newer fans aren't going to remember uh, 1964. I, he, he only played five years here, five, six years. He was an all-pro <coughs> every year, either first or second team. Yeah. And he seems forgotten the history. Um, I remember John Madden called him the most aggressive offensive lineman in history. Um, it, it, if you remember any conversations on Bob Brown? What, what did you guys oh, there's finally a great got story about, there's, there's a great story about Bob Brown. The first time when he was playing, he played into the seventies and played with Oakland for a period of time. I'm trying to remember. And he ended up playing against the Steelers one time. Steelers, yeah, yeah. I've heard this story. Yeah. And Joe, and basically I think it's LC Greenwood is lined up against him. Um, and, He's given LC a hell of a time. And Joe Green goes, oh, come on, I'll take him for a couple of plays. And Joe Green goes over there. And after one play, basically, El Joe Green goes, now you can have him back. I would <laughs> <laughs> and he's like Joe Green, Joe Green right? Yeah. Like, it, it, that's, that's how aggressive Bob Brown was. So, yeah, I mean, I think lost in hit to history, lost the fact that he played for multiple teams, never never a champion um that kind of that kind of thing or at least not not a prominent member of a championship team kind of kind of story he, he's lost in that kind of uh i guess uh, trivial part of the nfl somebody told me that very story about rob brown this week with his passing i'm, I'm yep. glad that you uh uh put it out there for everybody as well because i uh, and, joe, and joe joe confirmed that because i had and, uh, and i don't and tell, let me tell you say this i only asked joe that question on the phone 
I didn't ask him that question. Right, you don't know, necessarily want to ask him. I didn't, him I didn't want to piss off that. Yeah, even even <laughs> in the advanced age, Joe's a big, mean man. So I, did. I, didn't want, I didn't want to embarrass him that way. Well understood. I, the National Football League issue again, it was something we talked about for a ton of uh, shows in a row, it seemed like. Uh, it's died down now, and it will pick up again. Amazon Thursdays. The Eagles get to play in the first one this year. Get it right out of the way, Minnesota. And then they don't have it again. Unless, of course, they get flexed into it. It was mm -hmm. a big topic of conversation. Should the NFL give them flex power as early? It's only a small window and don't know how much, say, Fox and CBS are going to have over it. The NFL players really don't like Thursday night. Uh, but teams are going to get moved into it now on a less long-term notification basis. No. Is this going to be a big story again when the season gets underway, the flexing of Thursday night Amazon games? Um, it'll be a big story in those weeks where it happens. Because, um, it, it, look, it's an unfair situation. It's um, it's ultimately bad for those teams. I think it's um, it produces bad football. It's going to produce extremely bad football. Um, in that particular week. Like, I, I think it, making teams play more than one Thursday night game, the potential of doing that in a season, is an almost reckless idea on the on the part of the commissioner. Um, I, I just think it's, it's... It's just ridiculous. It's a bad, bad, bad idea. Um, it's hard enough to do it when you actually schedule it. Because you're talking about turning around and having three days to rest your players. You don't get to install a game plan. You don't get to practice for your opponent. You don't get to really do anything um, other than, you know, get guys a, a day of sleep, check them out medically, see that they're everybody's okay. Um, talk about your a basic game plan. Throw it together as best you can. You're really going based off of what you just did the previous week. So you're not really studying the opponent and then just fly to that other city or get enough rest so that you can play on a Thursday. So I, this was a, this has been a bad idea from the start um, and it will get a tremendous amount of attention when it ultimately happens um, those weeks. Is that um, sort of a penny wise dollar foolish kind of mentality? This league, look, it, it, business people want to make money and people keep handing them checks <laughs> But when you get to this point, Jason, you got to make Disney happy, ABC, ESPN. You got to make NBC happy. You got to make Fox happy. Now you got to make Amazon happy. They all want the good teams, and there's only a finite amount of good teams. Nobody wants two, three win teams facing off late in a marquee game. Sure, I understand. Did I mean, they? It, did they sure. not think about that kind of stuff and say, "Ah, oh, we got the check. We'll figure it out." No, they get the check and they figure it out. So, like, like this is, and I said this to a coach this week um, after I had not this week, last week, when I, who I was having lunch with the coach. I understand that NFL teams are not businesses anymore; they're annuities. And for your your listeners who don't understand the difference between annuities, okay, and businesses okay annuities are basically guaranteed payoffs right these are like buying these are like buying you know government issued bonds you know for a 
gold-rated bonds that get a guaranteed payoff, right? That's tax-free. This is not tax-free, okay? But the the payoffs are guaranteed now. The the amount of money they're going to be making going forward is known. They and when you get that kind of investment, when teams go for six billion dollars or 4.6 billion dollars like the Denver Broncos and the Washington Commanders having the last two sales those are people who are not buying those teams on spec they're buying them knowing I'm going to be getting a check at the end of every year that is going to be averaging over a 20-year period of time or at least over a 10-year period of time it's going to be x amount of dollars so now my job is to max out that annuity, right? This is a higher form of economics. It is not a risk business anymore. That's just about P&Ls. Um, it's, it's even higher finance. So, yeah, you got to max out the amount of money, especially get on TV contracts. And now that you've got Amazon on the hook, and yeah. because your next wave of buyers if you look down the line, it's not even going to be about networks anymore. It's going to be about the large media companies that control streaming. So you're talking about Google and Amazon. You have to prove that the product is going to be worth those people going in and and buying and buying at the kind of dollars that you've generated so far. For So this is absolutely 100% about maxing out profit. It's yeah. no longer and speaking of six so, billion, yeah. Josh Harris, who we know well from he owns the Sixers here in Philadelphia. Right. Uh, he's about to take over Washington. I got a kick. He was looking for minority owners. One of them said he, he wanted a hundred million, and basically I was going to get good tickets. I love that quote for a hundred million dollars. Uh, yeah. A minority owner was going to get good tickets, but at a certain point, when you get to six billion, Jason. Not a lot of people that have that kind of money. Even a Josh Harris has got to get partners. Um, no, there's not. I mean, but there are enough that you know. Look, they put up the three billion to be the main owner. It's it's not a lot different than the group sale efforts that existed thirty years ago. The difference is though that the, the profits are guaranteed. Yeah. You're, I mean, you're you're, you're going to make your money back over a period of time. You just may not have it initially, but you're going to make it back over time. All right, Jason, want to take it back out onto the field with you again. little evaluation Please. of where we sit in the NFC. Who are the best three teams in the NFC as of right now? What order do you have them in? And if you got them one, two, three, is the difference between one and two bigger? Or is the difference between two and three bigger? Or would you say there's more than three teams that you would put Look, I, I think the difference between one and two is pretty is pretty substantial, depending on what the quarterback looks like. I mean, you've got Philly and San Francisco. Um, now, San Francisco depends on its defense, so you're you're depending on um, a side of the ball that is much more prone to injury. Or okay, and from an offensive standpoint they're much more dependent on injury because they need all the guys around Brock Purdy. And this is assuming Brock Purdy comes back to health for San Francisco. They need all those guys to be really functional because he's limited um, physically, right? I mean, he's he's a good distributor of the ball, right? A classic point guard. Um, but you need all those guys around him to make him his best and make them at their best, okay? Um, defensively, when you're a defense-oriented team, you have to have everybody be healthy to be really good. 
So to me, that makes San Francisco much more precarious than the Eagles. The Eagles are a solid number one, and then there's a step down to the 49ers. In terms of the third best team in the conference, I mean, I... I'd almost go, like, I believe that Detroit is going to make, make another, you know, I'll, I'll go out on a limb and say that's the team that's going to sneak up on everybody because I like the way that they play football. I like in an era when everybody plays, you know, three and four wides a lot, try and get the ball out quickly with your quarterback. They're coming in and they're playing, you know, tough guy football. That goes against the the grain in the in in the league and can work and i think it can work for a short period of time while everybody else develops around the quarterback and the wide receiver that they took last year developed so i like detroit and you know they made a couple of moves on defense that make me happy that make me happy as well so i think they're they're going to be pretty good but that's projecting a lot for the third best team in the conference okay (laughs) you don't really like to project for the third best team in a conference, there's nothing much else that I really like in that in that Dallas? conference. Because uh, we're uh, Dallas had uh, uh, two I, I don't want yeah. to hear any more crap. About All that. right, well, the Eagles fans are going to like that. Here's what I'll say about yeah. Dallas, Jason. Mm-hmm. I'm not a lot of people don't like Mike McCarthy. I get that. Uh, I like Mike McCarthy. He's not the problem. Um, the owner's the problem. Owner's the problem. Um, they had, they had a big issue when when their number two corner went down and they get Stephon Gilmore, aging but still a good player. They get Brandon Cooks. They had issue at wide receiver, too. They get Brandon Cooks. I don't know why that kid keeps getting traded. He produces and he keeps getting traded. Not great, but that's, that's solid. That's the reason why. <laughs> um, improvement is how I would describe it. On paper, they look pretty good. They look pretty talented, uh, 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 pretty good. I'm with you with Detroit. Somebody's got to win that division. I, I think it's going to be Detroit. Um, Seattle maybe uh, is a team I think is is better than people think. But they, quarterback's they, just nothing. Quarterback's just a guy. Yeah, Gino's got to do it. They're, they're always looking for offensive linemen. And Seattle can't find an offensive lineman to save their lives. But um, it, it – it, it looks like a bad conference. It really does. Oh, it's a terrible conference. It's really, I mean, it's compared, it's, it's, it's a, there's a chasm between, uh, between the two conferences. Now I'm going to say Philadelphia matches up really well with any team that comes out of the AFC. So they would be right there at the top of the AFC listings. And, and, and you know, but it'd be much more of a fight and it'd be a fair fight to me. You know, the Eagles are like last year, they're still walking away with the conference, and they're the they're in the number one seed. The only thing that's going to stop them is you know things that happen like a lot of injuries, um, you know, or some or some bad things happening along the way. But you know, they, by all rights and measures, they should be the class of the conference. There's nobody else who has a real quarterback in the NFC that you really worry about. Nobody, nobody who scares you in the conference. I mean, yeah, that's, that's amazing. Part of the with, yeah. That's part of the problem with Dallas. Yeah. Dak Prescott doesn't scare me, certainly not in clutch situations. I mean, when he's forced to have to make plays, you know, on third and five, third and seven, third and eight, critical moments of the game, he doesn't do it. You know, I saw him in the playoff game against San Francisco um, this this past year. He did not step up in critical situations when he could have made a difference in that game. And, and they were shorthanded. 
Don't get me wrong. But they had a chance to win that game. Here's why I, uh, I want to give you a point <coughs> on Detroit and Dallas. I think it's the Eagles at San Francisco and then the drop-off. I think they're closer than the drop-off between two and three. Uh, I guess I'm more of a 49er fan this year than uh, most. Number one, Dallas's offensive line. They had to plug in Jason Peters last year. 147-year-old Jason Peters <laughs> last year. The Methuselah. Dallas Cowboys <laughs> three years ago had the best offensive line. The Eagles have lapped them, moved past them. It's not even yeah. close anymore. I think Dallas is going to have offensive line issues this year. And here's my question for you on Detroit, uh, Jason. They gave up their two best running backs. Now they got one via an early draft pick. They pick up Montgomery right. out of free agency. He was good with the Bears last year, but I don't know that he's as good as Williams, who left from Chicago, and or Swift, who left. Um, you like their running game? They they do like, like to run the football. They like to play smash mouth. They are an aggressive team coached by an aggressive coach. You think they'll be just as effective running the ball this year? Look, I think running backs are more replaceable than any other part, okay? Does that mean that it's going to be an easy transition? No, but I like the philosophy from which they're they're going and the fact that they've committed to it um, the, way they ha- the way they have. I mean, look, they, did, they weren't satisfied with how they ran the ball, even though they ran the ball really well last year. And they said, okay, we're going to take our philosophy, what we built on the on – the offensive line, and we think we're going to upgrade at running back. Okay, and make these they make these moves at running back. Mm-hmm. They also think that they're going to get something, you know, out of the wide receiver, who was a non-factor last year. And you know, unfortunately, because of the gambling, is going to be a non-factor for close to half the season this year. Mm-hmm. But yeah. they think that they're going to get a lot more out of him, which will open up some more for the running game as well, right? But from a philosophy standpoint, this is what I like about. Uh, what I like about Detroit. Everybody else is playing kind of small guy football, right? Wide open, have a lot of DBs on the, on the field. And when you do that, when the rest of the league does that, it gives you an opportunity to play better smash mouth football. It's, you know, it's zigging when everybody else is zagging. Yeah. yeah. And, they're, and they're really good at it. And the even though they have a limited quarterback, all right, I think that's enough to make them competitive in the NFC that if things fall right, they could maybe sneak in, you know, and win, win, you know, the, the, the NFC championship, right. You know, critical injury here or there for another team. You want to put yourself in that position and they put themselves in their position. Sort of like, you know, it's not different than Baltimore. Baltimore plays a different brand of football with with um, their quarterback, right? Lamar Jackson is an atypical quarterback because he's not a great, great thrower. He's an extremely great runner. So they're taking their chance that things will fall right one year. And they've gotten close a couple of times. Their <clears> problem <throat> is the rest of the AFC has gotten so much yeah. better than them that they're now sort of middle of the pack. I also like Ben Johnson, the offensive coordinator of the Lions. I, I, you know, <laughs> he closed out a game with a tackle eligible play to Panay Sewell on fourth down to, 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 he's a really innovative guy. That's where I wanted to go with you. I can't put the 6 billion in your account, Jason, but I want you to pretend you're an NFL owner. Um, I would prefer the first part of that. I, I, I can only get half of it. I'll, okay. I'll try to get the second. I'll, I'll be okay uh, with that. Too, so. uh, 
I, I, you mentioned zigging, zagging. I, Jody knows this. I say it all the time. I, it frustrates me. How many, how many teams run the Fangio scheme on defense? Well, this is such uh, – everybody does the same thing. And to me, it, I want the innovator. I want the guys going to come up with something a little bit different. Yeah. Because if everybody's doing the same thing, it becomes, all right, who's the best at this one thing? I, I don't understand why owners and GMs don't see that. It, it's it's whoa, too whoa, much. Whoa, 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 whoa. How many owners understand football? Well – yeah, yeah that's, I mean, I, all no, right. I, then we'll I, take I, it down to the GM level. We'll I, take it but, down but, to the GM. Right, but those guys are afraid. It starts with the owners, okay? When owners don't really know football, okay, then then the people who work for them have to justify what they do, and if they're justifying trying something that's different from everybody else you have to have an owner who's really outside the box willing to think about that. Otherwise you're going to say, if it doesn't work, you're going to have some real, real problems trying to explain it to the owner who is ultimately the one who's making the final decision on all of this. Right? So the lack of sophistication in understanding what good football is about or how football works is the initial problem. And when the owners don't understand that, and there are very few owners who understand good football, you know, the Maras understand it. Okay. The Rooney's understand it. I think Jeff Lurie understands it. He's learned it. He's put, spent a lot of time on it more so than any other owner. And even he's limited in, in truly understanding how football works. Right. When you don't understand how your, how your product works, that makes for, chaotic kind of a chaotic game it makes it allows that you to be convinced that flexing thursday night games is actually a good idea (laughs) it allows you to be convinced that actually having thursday night games is a good idea right so you know this is where we are we're in a we're at a time and place where you know football is not the quality of the game is not that good and i know every old guy out there says that but if the quality of the game is not that good and this is what dan rooney feared years and years ago ago people are living off the fact that football itself is just popular not that the game itself is that it is that's being played is all that great Oh, I'm with okay. you. Yeah, I yeah. mean, and aesthetically, so, and so, the game isn't nearly yeah. as aesthetic as it once was. Um, the right. athletes yeah. are better, but you know, they're yeah, all... the athletes are better. But but you get back to this original point: like, why are there not innovators and people who are you know the Don Coriels of the world and the Sid Gilmans of the world or the Bill Walshes of the world? There's a lot of really smart coaches, but there's a lot of money, and they don't want to take chances. Human right. nature is. Yeah. Yeah, no, they're not going. They're not going to risk much in this situation because yeah, the gravy train is paying off yeah. big time. Uh, don't yep, necessarily absolutely. rock that financial boat. All right, Jason, last one for me. <clears throat> and I just was mentioning to John that this offseason for the Eagles is <coughs> boring. Uh, boring is good. Boring's boring, but it's very good. The Eagles have no drama. There are no issue makers in the locker room. They had the Kumbaya 100 minutes that John could watch in practice this year. So all is good in Philadelphia. No rock in the boat. 
let me ask about two teams who both could be rocked. The reason why the Eagles, more than anything else, are having a boring offseason is they got the Jalen Hurts contract done. And it was put to bed, and it was everybody on the same page, and great news, and blah, blah, blah. You got Mark, two other big-time quarterbacks smart. who didn't get their deal done, Burrow and Herbert. Are those two teams looking at drama and chaos when the preseason, when they report for camp? Now the guy's worried about getting hurt. They want to be put away and put in bubble. You don't want to give my contract extension or he put me in bubble rack. And what do you mean the guy's not practicing during the spring? Are the Bengals and the Chargers in for some drama because they haven't gotten the quarterback deal done like the Eagles did? <clears throat> Have you looked at the history of the Bengals and the Chargers doing big contracts? Yeah, it's yes, that's one of the reasons why I'm asking that question to you, Jason. The fist is very tight at those two yeah. places, right? Yeah. Now, they're going to pay quarterbacks. They're going to get it done with these guys. But it's going to be uncomfortable for them because they're teams that don't like to be way out way out there in terms of paying players. Okay? It, put, it makes them very, very uncomfortable. And those two contracts are going to you know, reset the market once again for quarterbacks. <clears throat> and the other question is, which one goes first? Mm-hmm. Okay, because whoever goes first, the other one's going to pass it in all likelihood, or is at least going to set where the market is for the second one, right? Yep. So yeah. it, it, be, it becomes really, really important who goes first yeah. because Burrow's either going to pass Herbert. If Herbert goes first, Burrow's going to pass him. And if Burrow sets the market way out there, Herbert's going to be right next to it, right? Like, and there's, and so there's a little bit of strategy to how that how that plays out, and that makes not just the teams themselves who are penurious to make it uh, polite um, to use a polite word for being cheap. Um, so, two penurious teams um, historically are also impacted by the agents try and calculate where are they going to be here on on these deals now the hertz deal fortunately got done early because the kid's still under contract long you know for a longer period of time and they can still franchise him you know at, at, a, rel- at a relatively decent rate so there were some there were some incentives to get the hertz done deal done earlier that worked right yeah Herbert he was Murray. the highest paid player in the history of football for four days jason four yeah. days yeah. <laughs> Uh, but but he's he got a deal that was pretty well set and you know um was based on where the Lamar Jackson deal you know where those numbers really were even though they were not real in the in the out in the real world they were pretty well known yeah behind the- yeah yeah and then Lamar got done so uh now we gotta wait for drama in Los Angeles and also in Cincinnati should be fun. And I didn't think we were going to get the use of the word penorious on today's nice. show. Got to, got to thank you very much for that. When you're a big time author, you got to do stuff like that. Exactly yeah. right. All right, big time author. What do you got to promote? You got a book coming out. What are you doing? I have, I have a Give book us the insight. Last month uh, with Tom Brady senior, uh, helping me write the forward to it. Um, it is called shut up. Your kid's not that good. Um, it's basically a, it's basically a brief advice book to parents 
uh, grandparents should pick it up and give it to their kids. Nice. Um, and how to avoid being the uh, sideline parent who's a real pain in the ass. Yeah, you uh, had me at shut up, Jason. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> shut up. Your kid's not that good. It's a lot of great <laughs> stories from parents who are hover, you know, helicopter parents who got in the way of their kids being great, um, and really or sap the energy out of their kids. Um, it's not, it's an easy read. It's a fun read. It's a sarcastic read because that's who I am. But Tom Brady senior helped me out with, you know, a, a story he related on how he raised his kids and, and all four of his children um, ended up being terrific athletes. And obviously his son, the, you know, the greatest quarterback of all time. So um, his way of kind of staying out of the way of his kid in his, in his own way. Well, he did coach. I mean, I'm not going to say that he didn't uh, take part in raising, um, in raising all of his kids as athletes. Uh, he did that, but he had a polite way of staying out of the way of, of other coaches and other situations. Two things people will be Googling as soon as we finish up here. Honorius. Get it on, Am Am Get it on Amazon. And, Look up Honorius. Uh, Yes. Exactly right. And shut up your kids. Not that good. I love them both. Not that great. Always. Not that great. Not that not great. That great. Excuse me. Not that great. There you go. Get the title right. Not that great. Well, uh, you were great with us today. And we thank you for doing so, Jason. Always a pleasure, brud. We'll get you on again before the season gets underway. Absolutely. Take care, guys. Good luck. Jason Thanks, Cole, Jason. Uh, NFL author and Hall of Fame. Also had a red hot uh, chili pepper shirt on, I believe. Was that what it was? I couldn't make it out. Yeah. But he, uh, he, as he said, we're all in the dark. I'm in a little blue. You saying you're maroon? I'm maroon. Is that maroon yeah. today? You yeah. look. You yeah. look your usual blacks out there, Johnny Cash. But nah. I got a, I got a dark blue. But I uh, got to go dark, uh, hanging out down at oceans. All right, uh, we're hanging out for only a couple minutes more. Come back. Time to put a bow on the show. run wild and time stands still because here you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five mile island so leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods
and save at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Hi, everybody. My name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech, we offer three major services, the first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles. All right, running a little late because we had two good guests today. Yeah, we thank both Zach Berman and Jason Cole. Jason is a cynic. I love him for it. Uh, he's always got something snide to say and uh, appreciate it when he jumps in with us. Like I said, we'll get him on before the uh, season starts again. Johnny Max, do you ever think about just driving over to the Novacare complex and standing outside and going? Sometimes I just end up there. I black out and I just end up there. It's uh, car automatically goes across the bridge and takes you to the Novacare complex. Uh, Yeah, Uh, we'll uh, certainly do more NFL, more Eagles again tomorrow. We'll uh, get run up an Eagle guest for sure. Um, But Johnny Mac and I will be back again tomorrow. You got anything else you got to do today? It got uh, Father's Day. I'm oh, I got uh, too much to do today, Joe. Honey, do list always, didn't oh, get done over the Lord. weekend. You're covering into all the way into Monday. You got to keep doing stuff around it. Never ends, man. It's amazing the projects this uh, woman can come up with. I give her credit. Uh, yeah. I uh, didn't do anything yesterday, so I know I'm going to have stuff I got to do today. Yesterday was Father's Day, so I got a big break. Didn't do a damn thing all day except eat. Uh, yeah, it's back to work for both John and I. First work is Birds 365. We appreciate you streaming in. Hit the like button on the way out of Dodge, please. Uh, give us a help, a helping hand with our algorithm. Uh, thank you for uh, streaming on in. We'll do it again tomorrow. McMullen and McDonald back again on Tuesday in 2 and 2. You've been listening to Birds 365, the destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 365. Mike Rowe here with a few thoughts on my favorite sweatshirt, a classic zip-up hoodie that used to be navy blue but has since faded to what the fashionistas call a distressed indigo. It's 13 years old, soft as a flannel bathrobe, and after a few hundred dirty jobs, demonstrably and undeniably indestructible. This is the kind of sweatshirt girlfriends like to permanently borrow, but I've held on to this one because I got it from American Giant. American Giant makes all their stuff right here in the USA so they can control every link in their own supply chain. That matters. 
Because when you buy American Giant, you not only get great quality, you create jobs for people in factory towns all over the country. No pressure, but if you give a damn about the business of making things in America, you got to support the companies who are doing it right. Go to American-Giant.com slash Mike to get 20% off your first order. That's American-Giant.com slash Mike. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure.